Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So a lot of you know, in addition to doing this show each and every day, I also do a show every week called SEC Country Live. And I love SEC Country Live. I love talking with the SEC. You know, I'm, you know, unless I'm, don't make any, you know, secret about being a Georgia fan. I enjoy the whole UGA deal here, but I also have a good time when it comes to looking what's going on in the rest of the league. And I, I just, I just, I like talking about the SEC. I like doing SEC Country Live. But obviously, Georgia is a part of the SEC, and Georgia is going to be a part of what we talk about on SEC Country Live there as well. But I was thinking about this last night that. I don't know that I'm really talking that much about Georgia on SEC Country Live. I don't know that I'm doing very much of that right now. That, that you know, when you think about the big stories around the league, it feels like that when it comes to Georgia right now, despite the fact they're ranked number one in the country, they're not really coming up as much on a topic on SEC Country Live, including yesterday's show. Uh, there wasn't, I felt like, as much to say. And, and that's, I think, what it kind of comes down to. It's like, why am I not talking more about Georgia, the number one team in the country on SEC Country Live? Why aren't some of these other stories feeling a little bit more prominent? And I think part of that's because Georgia has just been so dominant this year that they've kind of rendered the conversation moot. It's almost like whatever question you would have had, whatever you know debate could have existed around Georgia, they've just kind of rendered that meaningless based on the fact that they have been number one in the country with a bullet next to their name, and they've just been climbing in stature and in perception week after week after week and I was actually kind of thankful to find out this week that I'm not the only one that feels that way now for those of you who've been on the fence about tuning in to SEC Country Live we still talk about we still talk about Georgia plenty just the point is is that it seems like you might have plenty to say about the number one team in the country but in some respects in a show like that other things sometimes seem more interesting just simply because uh, Georgia has been so clearly dominant that the debate has kind of been just ended and as I said, I've been glad to know that I'm not really the only one that feels that way. Because think about this. you got people who talk for a living. And they sit on desks, very similar to the one that I'm sitting at right now, on the ESPN TV shows like the College Football Playoff Top 25 announcement that comes out each and every week. They sit there. They're ready to talk. They're, they're, you know, they're, basically, you just wind them up and they can talk about anything. But apparently... Georgia has been so good this season that those talking like literal talking heads are almost rendered speechless about what to even say about UGA after another week's worth of dominance for the dogs if you're a Georgia fan I think you'll find this to be at least a little bit humorous that when asked to say something about Georgia there's almost this thought of what is there really left to say here when it comes to all of that this is from ESPN Tuesday night when Georgia was once again ranked number one by the college football playoff selection committee conference play for the first time that's surprising i mean they've been undefeated but they haven't won all eight since the sec went to eight games we got nothing else to say about georgia's been you, so if you, good if you want to get all three of us we got nothing else to say. to say they're really good on defense <laughs> <laughs> So Pollock says, listen, what do you want? We got nothing else left to say about Georgia. We've talked about them plenty. Uh, you heard Joey Galloway there say they've just simply been so good that it's, it's almost like at this point, is it even worth discussing how number one, number one Georgia is here at the moment? The gap is seemingly getting wider each week. Not the same thing as saying they won't be challenged in the postseason, but in terms of challenges in the regular season, Georgia's just faced far fewer of those than any team in the country, including those ranked just below UG there at that spot. 
then at the end you hear say Joey Galloway say they're really good on defense you know and that's not not a jab on on Joey's part that's just the, the thing of I don't know if you've heard this that you know George's it's almost like a sarcastic comment I don't know if you've heard this but George is actually really good on defense this year he's saying that sarcastically because obviously at this point in time that topic's been exhausted as well just how dominant Georgia has been on the defensive side of the football and if you're a Georgia fan I think you think it's probably kind of funny that Georgia has been so good that there's almost no conversation that can take place about what to even say about them until you actually get to the postseason and Georgia looks to finish this thing off by going out there and winning a championship but for what it's worth while the talking heads on ESPN were rendered somewhat speechless about Georgia this past week the selection committee chairman Gary Barta actually had a few more interesting things to say about the dogs and I guess this was a conference call that Barta did with some reporters after the announcement came out and I read this on Saturday Down South I want to show you the 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 quote here from Barta on Georgia Saturday Down South did a story on this but he was asked to kind of expound a little bit on what the ESPN analysts are just tired of talking about which is how good Georgia is and Barta actually goes beyond just the defense here for a moment he says the offense is in the top 15 in scoring James Cook had a big game this past week Georgia has the best defense in the country but their offense continues to play efficiently and play much better with each passing week it's just a dominant team on both sides of the ball that's the selection committee chairman Gary Barta asking about number one Georgia saying no for Georgia right now it is more than just defense it's offense there as well and obviously on this show we're glad to hear Gary Barta saying that because that's a point using statistics that we've tried to make many times is that when you look at the complimentary football that Georgia's playing clearly the best defense in the country but in terms of a good number of metrics also among the very best offense in the country there as well not the greatest offense of all time you know teams like Alabama a year ago LSU the year before that would obviously rank higher in the offensive categories but in terms of how good an offense is to go along with a historically great defense you've seen very few teams in recent college football history who've been better on both sides of the ball combined than what Georgia has been this season we know that's true we've given you metrics to back that up Gary Barta the college football playoff selection committee chairman has apparently noticed that there as well and it's kind of nice to hear that and obviously you kind of arrive now at a situation where the hay is just kind of in the barn and Georgia has a very different situation than its likely opponent in the SEC championship game, Alabama. Georgia knows it's going to play in that game. Alabama still hasn't fully clinched its spot there. Alabama still got two relatively tough SEC opponents left, a ranked Arkansas team this upcoming Saturday, then on the road at Auburn the week after that, a place where Alabama has lost in each of its last two trips, Jordan-Hare Stadium against the Tigers. Georgia plays Charleston Southern this week in a I guess slightly better Georgia Tech team the uh, week after that. Georgia's not expected to be challenged at all. And this, just in simple terms, is an advantage for UGA. That a team that's been so good, so firmly established as number one, that the analysts on ESPN have kind of exhausted every topic they have about, about discussing what they are, but also so good that the guy who's in charge of making the picks for the college football playoff says, we're seeing really uh, an impressive performance on both sides of the ball. It's not just great defense, it's good offense there as well. And so Georgia now has a chance to, you don't want to say rest on its laurels, but at least for a moment it can rest, and it can get guys healthy, and it can cultivate the mindset that's necessary for the really tough football that's coming in December and January. Because here's the thing you all know, that no matter how good you've been September, October, November, that doesn't make December, January any easier. It doesn't make it any less stressful. It doesn't punch a ticket. You can't do that in the fall. 
That only happens in the winter when you get to the December and January months. That's only what happens then. But Georgia does have a luxury right now that almost no other team in college football has. Even a team like, say, Alabama, not guaranteed to be in the SEC championship. Ohio State still got tough games coming against both Michigan schools. Michigan State this week, Michigan the next week. They can't quite rest yet. Oregon, the other team kind of ranked up there pretty high, has to go on the road to Utah this week. Oregon's ranked in the top four, but they're actually an underdog in Salt Lake on Saturday. Their position in the college football playoff is far from guaranteed. All these other teams that are ranked really high right now, they're all envious of Georgia because of how good Georgia's been how much Georgia's distance itself from the pack as the number one team in the country. Now Georgia just kind of gets to kick back and relax and get itself ready for the postseason. Now what's cool about Georgia is if there was ever going to be a team that seemed to be capable of using this time wisely, of doing more than just goofing around, of doing more than just biding time till December gets here, it seems to be this Georgia team, and not just because of the coaching staff, but because of the leadership of the players and all that kind of stuff – it seems like this Georgia team is capable of using that time well. However, if you listen to Kirby Smart this week, you still got to tighten those screws a little bit to make sure that's true. You still got to you still got to you know find that edge even when you look across the field and see an FCS opponent on Saturday. So that was actually a little bit of a hot topic this week when Kirby Smart met with the media of are you maintaining that focus and are you doing what you can now to make sure that you are physically, spiritually, emotionally ready when the big game does come and the first one comes in December, this is actually kind of interesting from Kirby Smart on that. Take a listen to this. It's definitely something you worry about in terms of playing, uh, playing to get better. Like, you know, I was, I was frustrated with uh, yesterday's practice and uh, probably the first Monday that I felt like I was frustrated because I felt like there was a, you know, a relaxed atmosphere and not that, I don't know what, what the killer instinct I've seen on some Mondays. And it was a little, a little frustrating for me because we've had, I mean, had really good practices. So I don't know if that was a relief from the Tennessee game or if that was, you know, about who we're playing. I, I just was not pleased with it. It was better today, um, but it still wasn't what I expect our Tuesdays to be. So uh, I'm trying to you know, reach out to leaders and make sure they handle that the right way. But I always, you know, want our guys to play to a, a certain standard and a certain standard of excellence of how we play execution, regardless of who we play. I think most of you will get what I'm saying here, but I think the fact that Kirby Smart says he was kind of displeased with practice and maybe leaders thinking about that on the team too there as well, I don't take that as bad news as a fan of Georgia. I take that as you know good news that this is how seriously they're taking it. They're noticing everything that should be true, and they're measuring the current state of what is true going into a week like this against that standard that they expect for the program which leads me to believe they're going to figure that out. They're going to get this fixed. And ultimately, there's only so much concern I think the Georgia fan can even have for what's going to happen on Saturday against Charleston Southern beyond how many young players get a chance to play and do we see things in this game that we haven't seen already this season. Beyond that, I don't know how much concern Georgia fans really have for the game all the way around. But these practice weeks, what you do to get ready for Charleston Southern, what you do to get ready for Georgia Tech, these practice weeks are – important in getting you ready for what comes after that which is not the same thing as saying they're already preparing for Alabama although I think that you know the the mental and the and the and the physical part of this in terms of resting certain bodies and 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 getting your mindset right that process kind of has begun so here's the bottom line on all this is that Georgia is almost so far out in front that they're off the radar and that's going to continue even more the next couple of weeks because Georgia's not really playing name brand opponents but you better believe when this team reemerges in the national spotlight again, come SEC Championship Saturday, likely against Alabama, what this team is doing right now 
will matter as it goes out and tries to validate its status as the team that's been number one all season long. Georgia coach Kirby Smart's taken that task very seriously all season. He's praised his team continually for how it's worked. Now it's prepared. Now they've got a long on-ramp to get ready for the game that matters more than anything played thus far this season. And once again, I'm going to trust UGA to be ready for it when it gets here. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is uh, Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for uh, Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us. Big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. You know, Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce, and we're glad to have them with us and glad to have you with us, whether it's coming to us on video starting at 945 on dognation.com or the Dog Nation app, or you're checking us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all the video platforms, podcast platforms, the Apple Player, Spotify. We post the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. Obviously, the uh, Google player for the folks on the Android devices. A lot of different ways to connect with us in a podcast. Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. We appreciate our radio audience who checks in with us each and every day there as well. And as I said before, could not do this, would not have this great studio to do the show in, wouldn't have all these platforms to speak to you on if it was not for our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. They are your source for Georgia divorce. And I know it. Every time I use the word divorce, I think it probably stops some of you in your tracks because let's face it, divorce, it's just a tough word to even hear. If you have been through a divorce, it brings all kinds of memories back to the forefront for you. Or if you think that might be a possibility for you one day, then it brings on some anxiety, some nervousness. I get all that. But more importantly, Meriwether and Tharp gets all that. They know the the weighty issues that are brought about by divorce. They take that kind of stuff seriously. But they also know that It's not the kind of thing that can be avoided in some cases. And if it can't be avoided, then the thing to do as you confront it is to have a powerful advocate on your side, someone whose power comes from their knowledge of how the law works for you, but also someone who has kind of the emotional intelligence to understand how all of this impacts you as you're going through that and how it impacts those that you love there as well. There's so many different important things that kind of come with a divorce conversation finances relationship with children all that kind of stuff well Meriwether and Tharp understands all of that and they want to set you up for a successful next season of your life so do me a favor check them out online the Atlanta divorceteam.com that's the website the Atlanta divorceteam.com you've got questions they've got answers when it comes to the divorce process so find out Meriwether and Tharp today what they can do for you Check them out online at the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. All right, we really appreciate you being with us here today on uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Let me give you an idea of what's coming up for us. Later on today, we're going to finish today's show speaking to Mike Morgan. Mike's going to call the game on Saturday for the SEC Network. Obviously, how that the broadcast crew is approaching this game is interesting. They get a chance to talk to the coaches during the week, those conference calls. We want to find out from Mike what the, what the, hot topics for the tv broadcast are going to be and just kind of his thoughts on georgia as uga as we said before kind of makes that march now towards the postseason final preparations to get ready for a big drive towards a national championship we'll talk to mike morgan about that before we're done terrence edwards coming up here in just a couple of minutes always fun to have terrence as a part of the program before that though let's go around the doghouse and it's presented today by our friends at serve pro and Something else that Kirby Smart said this week that I thought was pretty interesting. And I think it kind of runs counter to what a lot of UGA fans have kind of assumed that we saw the Georgia defense, you know, tested a little bit last Saturday in a way we really haven't mostly seen that done here this year. Now, we said on this show going into the game that Tennessee's got a little bit of a high-powered offense. High-powered offenses playing in their own stadium oftentimes can find some success. We actually expected Tennessee to find some success offensively last week. 
ultimately they probably found less of that than we assumed that they probably would. But there were a couple of big plays where Tennessee was able to strike, especially late in the game. There were a couple of other moments that could have been big plays that didn't go, you know, weren't, weren't able to be converted into a completion. And so I think some Georgia fans were left to assume that maybe the play of the secondary cornerbacks in particular, maybe that was a little bit of a disappointment. Maybe that was a little bit of a exposed vulnerability for Georgia, the kind of thing that an Alabama or another team in the college football playoff might be able to exploit. But if you take Kirby Smart at his word here, that the assumption that some are making about that secondary based on Smart's own evaluation of that, that was not necessarily true. Let me give you a, an answer that Kirby gave to, hey, were you concerned about the way your cornerbacks played last week, concerned about the way your secondary played last week? Kirby's answer may surprise some folks. This is Kirby. No, I was, I was very proud of them last week. <laughs> very proud of them. Not a bump in the road. They were tested. You know what I mean? They had good players, and they had the ball in the air. You go back to the previous week's, you can't, you can't go back to the previous weeks and say where we made a lot of plays uh, down the field and make plays on the ball. We, we, we definitely got tested. And we gave some plays up. We gave some plays up. But when you play the style of play that we played last week, you're going to give plays up. And uh, they're tough to defend. So I was really proud of them. And if anything, I think last week gives them some more confidence because they went out and played against good people. They competed. They covered them some. And they, 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 they got beat some. But we got good enough players up front that, that, that they got to win – most of their battles, not all of their battles. So I think Kirby Smart says a lot of things there. And, you know, let me start with this. He talks about when you play the style of play that we play, you're going to get beat some. And I think that's right. And l- listen, I don't try to pretend to be the X's and O's expert. That's not my lane. I'm, I'm happy to stay in my own lane. Uh, I've got more than I can, you know, say grace over as it is. But if you, if you watch the way that Georgia played last week, like the one thing you never really saw Georgia do is – you never really saw Georgia drop those safeties back, right? The, the kind of thing where you go much more conservative on defense to present to prevent the big plays, but ultimately that opens up a lot of stuff underneath. And what Smart says, at least I think what I'm interpreting him there is, is that you know if you pull those safeties back, maybe you give up fewer big plays, maybe you give up more intermediate routes, maybe you give up more shorter throws, and all of a sudden this Georgia defense that's been so unyielding all season long all of a sudden it becomes a little softer there in the middle and that's kind of gross nobody likes the thought of that and so Kirby says we're going to stay aggressive we're going to keep putting pressure on our cornerbacks we're not going to we're not going to drop our safeties back and and make it easier to avoid the big completion we're going to ask these guys to do something hard and when you ask someone to do something hard they're not going to bat a thousand they're not going to be perfect they're not going to be 100 percent in terms of eliminating those big plays I happen to think that Smart's probably right about that and I think that 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 particular aspect of that clip about the the style of play that Georgia played still very aggressive still very challenging for those cornerbacks I think he's probably right when he brings that up now admittedly when Smart says no I'm I wasn't worried at all I thought they did great there is admittedly for me this assumption that sometimes that Smart (laughs) means the opposite of what he says that when he's really heavily critical of somebody that's kind of you know not let them get the big head or when he's overly complimentary is that trying to build a guy up maybe smart doesn't quite mean that but he feels like that group or that player needs a heavy dose of confidence honestly I'm not going to play games with that but I will just acknowledge that admittedly sometimes knowing that smart likes to use his press conferences to speak to you know kind of through the media to the team itself you're kind of wondering oh is this a is this the good cop version of Kirby Smart compared to the maybe the bad cop that you might sometimes get in certain situations that's 
probably overthinking it, but I'm just giving you my admitted instinct on, on all of that. I think the overall larger picture, though, is is that when you do play, let's say in Alabama, when you do play, let's say an Ohio State in the playoff, you know, right now it would say that Oklahoma is a little bit of a long shot to make the playoff, but let's say you you know play that team there as well, or Wake Forest, or I mean, a lot of teams that you, that you could play that do attack you a little bit on offense. That Smart's overall vision in all this is is that no, you're not going to go out there and shut that team completely down to the tune of no completions whatsoever. That. We've heard it said a million times, if you play in the secondary, you got to have a little bit of short memory. you got to have a little bit of the ability to kind of shake that off and go back and get the next one. And from that standpoint, I think that Kendrick and, and Ringo and the guys who've done that for Georgia this year, for the most part, really have done a good job. They've obviously been praised by a lot of the statistical folks, pro football focus, things like that. Maybe that matters, maybe it doesn't. But even your own eyes kind of tell you the story that, yeah, this group that was a huge question mark before the season began, working with a defensive front seven that wreaks havoc on everyone i think they've kind of settled in here nicely they've been given the comfort and the luxury of growing and developing into a role knowing they had great guys playing around them the safety spots and the linebacker defensive line spots and they're using that to their advantage to be ready so interesting to hear smart with his comment they are kind of running in the opposite direction of maybe what some fans were saying after that game against Tennessee this past Saturday. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at SurfPro. And a lot of you are homeowners. I talk to you all the time about that. You know, owning a home is important. It's certainly very important to me. It's more than just an asset. It's the kind of thing you have an emotional connection to there as well. And when you see damage to your home, boy, that just does something to you. And oftentimes it's caused by fire or, or water. You know, it's amazing how much damage just water alone can do. Obviously, we know about fire, but just water alone uh, the, the crazy amount of damage that can do. And when you see that in your home, you're left to wonder, what's going to happen now? How do we get this fixed? And I'm sure on the forefront of that, it almost seems impossible. That's where my friends at ServPro step in because their restoration specialists can repair and clean up that damage. They can literally make it like it never even happened. That's what they're able to do. It's almost like magic in, in, in a lot of ways. They get it cleaned up. They get it fixed up. They get your home back the way that it was before, the way that you wanted to be. I love recommending Surpro. I also love the fact that each and every Surpro franchise is independently owned and operated. These are folks that have skin in the game. These are folks that have great care for their business and great care for the customers who help their business run. You're going to be working with people who are just as invested in the process as you are. It's your home. It's their business. You have common goals here to get this job done to the tune of everybody being satisfied when it's all said and done. So please check out ServPro for more on this. The website is ServPro.com. And for those of you listening, I'll spell it out for you. That's S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. That's the place you want to go for all of that. A big, big thanks to our friends at ServPro for uh, presenting around the doghouse here today. And a big thanks for all of you being with us on the program to do. So I told you before, we are very busy on today's show. It's Terrence Edwards uh, coming up in a moment. It's Mike Morgan from the SEC Network coming up shortly after that. We'll get into everything for Georgia. Final two regular season games, getting ready for the SEC Championship. Also a little bit of stuff with Terrence about what happened this past week against Tennessee, kind of what he saw there. Uh, we'll just kind of break it all down. Big time to be a dog fan. No more fun thing than being number one and looking how you can finish off a season strong. So let's talk about all that right now. Let's say hello to Terrence Edwards. Great to have him and all of you with us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards. And Terrence, I'll start with you where I was just discussing with the audience a moment ago. Kirby Smart was actually 
fairly complimentary of the Georgia secondary, even though there are a couple of big pass plays that Tennessee was were able to strike on against Georgia this past week. And, you know, Terrence, you've done battle with these defensive backs over the years as a wide receiver yourself. And we've always heard it said that, hey, if you're DB, you've got to have a short memory. Everybody gets beat, even the, the greatest cornerbacks in the NFL shut down guys 99% of the time no one's going to bat a thousand on something like that and you got to shake it back up and get back into the uh, game and go back and win the next rep there on that and I thought it was interesting to hear Kirby kind of offer some some you know compliments there for uh there that that group there at that time and I'm guessing as a former wide receiver you kind of understand where he's coming from a bit I do and before I came on I was in the chat just talking like I think all secondary needed a game like this uh, we haven't been tested. Uh, our front seven has done a, a outstanding job in pressure, and, and the secondary haven't had to really cover much the last uh, nine games. So I think there was a game that they needed because we will see better uh, passing teams and better receivers uh, in the future uh, against, of course, Alabama and, and in the playoffs. We're going to see teams that are able to throw the ball uh, down the field. So our secondary needs to get tested. And to show them that, you know, you're probably not as good as you think you are. You're not as bad as you think you are either. But there are some coaching points on film now that they can see that they need to improve on. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that, that that you got to have that test. That's why I like the idea of going on the road last week. And ultimately, Georgia probably handled that test even better than I thought it would. Final margin of victory certainly tells you that story. But but one of the things that I that I do like about that was is that especially with these you know next couple of weeks against games, opponents that Georgia's going to be a big favorite against, but to think that you're able to go into a hostile SEC stadium, take that best shot there, and then, uh, as Kirby Smart said, go in there and throw some of your own shots, I think it actually works out pretty well for Georgia to get that one more test before the ultimate test that comes in December and January. Yes, most definitely. Uh, I mean, as we talked last week, B.A., uh, that I thought Tennessee would, would score some points. and uh, But give Kirby and crew credit, man. They're adjusted, and the, the team – adjusted to the tempo and I was telling someone somebody this week you cannot prepare for that type of tempo in practice yes you can simulate it but you can't really uh, practice the way it's going to be and I think that after the first quarter we adapted and adjusted and we show our uh, real character there just holding that offense to 10 points essentially they score the seven points later to make it 17 but I think the coaches did a really good job of moving Chris Smith in-game to the star. So they did some yeah. in-game adjustments uh, during the game that I think helped. And when you can in-game, in-game adjust that well, then you got some really good coaches. I thought the other big thing to kind of come from the game was the emergence of James Cook. And, you know, Terrence, you know that James has been a popular player with Georgia fans for a long time with good reason. He's got this unique skill set. He's obviously got a famous last name. His, you know, brother uh, in the NFL. You know, he's got, you know, obviously a lot going for him. And on Saturday, it seemed like he really put that together in a way that I'm not quite so sure that he has before in his Georgia career. And to me, it provides a potential preview that I'm not quite so sure if the game's on the line, third and five against Alabama, late in the fourth quarter or some other time like that, it almost seems like Cook might be the guy that you really want to go to here for UGA. Just that combination of whether you're throwing to him or whether he shows some elusiveness in the running game. He's just got a little bit of an extra spark that I think makes him a real weapon for UGA. you got to figure out who your true weapons are. And to me, on that shortest of short lists for Georgia right now is James Cook. Yes, 
Yes, and I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back because if anyone has listened to me on your show or any other show, I've been calling for James Cook to get more touches for two years now. Uh, early on in his career, he, you know, he was a smaller back, and he needed to add a more strength and girth to his body. If you ever meet James Cook personally, he, he put together pretty well. Uh, a solid 191.95, and he's really – an explosive back, you know, you just look at the Cook family. That's what they do. They can That's run. Right. They can make plays. And he can catch like a receiver. Uh, I lie. You've seen him catch a, a fade pass over the shoulder for a touchdown in the game. But his surprising trait this year is how well he's been able to run between the tackles. Uh, his durability. I think he's been our best back this this year. And bringing Bama in on a third and five, I like James Cook because he could beat you in so many ways. You have to worry, worry about the run game. But you also have to worry about him in the passing game. That screens, flats, wheels, or just lining up him, lining up at a receiver spot. And if a linebacker comes, then we know we have man, just like what happened in the Tennessee game. Then he can catch deep balls down the field. So he's a weapon that I think uh, Monken has really found ways to get him the ball. And we now really see his true talent. I think you're touching on something really important here, too, which is that when – when James is in the game now, it's not an obvious thing what the play call is going to be. That, you know, had he not developed into the between the tackles runner that he's turned out to be, his presence in the game would almost signal the play call that's coming. Okay, it's obviously going to be a wheel route. It's obviously going to be some sort of, you know, running back screen or, or something like that. He's going to go in motion. He's going to do something like that because that's what his skill set dictates. But now he's just as likely to get an effective run between the tackles or kind of a more traditional handoff. He's just as likely to do something with that as he would be to be thrown the football as well. Scored obviously on the ground and through the air against Tennessee this past Saturday that by by growing as a more traditional running back, I think it makes him more valuable as a pass-catching weapon because now defenses can't really truly key on what they think that he's going to do. Oh, most definitely. That is a... It was an indicator uh, in the beginning of his year that it was going to be some form of screen, outside run. Uh, he wasn't you know, running between the tackles with a lot of force because he just didn't have the, the weight to do it. Now he has the weight to be able to, you know, if it's a one-yard play, he's able to get two uh, by moving the pile. So he's done a great job, and I give Dale McGee and the strength and conditioning staff uh, kudos for just grooming him and developing him in the right way. And I tweeted – Saturday during the game at the Vikings, like how cool would it be that yeah. you draft James Cook and just have the Cook brothers there as a one-two punt? That would be uh, something special. I, I know the two brothers and the family would love that, but I think he's definitely uh, helped himself uh, in the NFL eyes. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I saw your tweet, and I thought that was great. Turning our attention to Saturday for a moment, obviously people don't really expect much from Charleston Southern. I'm assuming that you don't really either. But it does become one of those opportunities that you can get a lot of other players in the game, get experience for a lot of guys who just want to go out there and play in a game after beating up against each other on practice all season long. But also, you know, for fans, a chance to kind of see what some of these other players are like and. I think you know Kirby Smart can't talk about this. Obviously, he's got to you know treat the game like you treat any other. But secretly, that's what I think all fans are kind of hoping for. It's a chance to see more players. And as somebody who you know has been a player and obviously knows a lot of players and working with players, I mean, how important is that for for some of these guys to get a chance to do more than just practice, to get a chance to do more than just you know grind it you know hard every day without fans and media being able to see that, 
but also get a chance to do it in front of the TV cameras, get a chance to do it in front of the in front of the full stadium, get a chance to wear that uniform and be proud of that. How much does something like that really matter in a situation like this? Oh, it matters. I think two things that needs to come out of this game. First, we need to get somehow key guys healthy. I think if Georgia goes in with the mindset that they've had all year, somehow starters won't play a lot. And that's one thing that I'm hoping, that some of those guys, you know, a quarter or two, and we come out and just rest those guys, uh, been able to put some of the key reserves in. And a lot of those guys have been practicing on the scout team all year, grinding, doing the summer workout. Some of the things that the fans don't get to see and don't really understand what is going on. Some of the, you know, the second, third, fourth-strain kids are, are working their tails off just as hard as uh, Jordan Davis is. And right. now, hopefully, our guys go out and take care of business, which I, I think they will. Some of those guys get an opportunity to go and play. I mean, it's a dream come true for a lot of the kids, and especially a lot of you know the walk-on kids that hopefully get opportunity to play. It's their dream to play between the hedges. And if the starters go and take care of business, which I think they will, I think Kirby will be on them even harder this week because it is a team that we know we should walk over. But you can't go into the game sleepwalking, or it's going to be tighter than you expect, and then those starters will have to continue to play. But I would love to see Brock Vandergrift get some time. I, I, I think the fans would love to see his true talent. Uh, Carson Beck get some time and some of those yeah. young receivers, some of the O-line, some of the young DB. I think fans just want to see the opportunity some of these guys who they've read about of being four and five stars get an opportunity to play between the hedges and they see what the future holds. And you mentioned uh, scout team a moment ago and Brock Vandergriff in particular. I mean, how valuable is it for a guy – for a team like Georgia to know that Vandergriff, at least according to what Kirby Smart said, has kind of been that scout team quarterback a lot this year. This is a guy who has a really prodigious skill set. He's obviously, you know, former five star, but you know, can kind of do it with his legs a little bit. I mean, for a lot of the offenses that Georgia has faced and might face, you would think that he's probably pretty good at replicating some of what you see from some of those other teams. And, you know, they haven't had a ton of healthy receivers to put down there in that scout team necessarily. But when you have a quarterback like that who's been able to give you a look all season long of what you might face from an opposing offense, I mean, I would imagine that's been a pretty valuable thing for Georgia to have this year. And all the more reason why I think a lot of fans would like to see just how much he's grown, both, you know, as a player, but maybe even, you know, physically as well, how much he's grown during his time being at UGA, knowing that. I would assume he's been a pretty valuable commodity as a scout team quarterback. Most definitely. I think coming from a 1A private, I think this has been probably the best schooling that he can have, being able to be on the scout team, the scout team quarterback against statistically the best defense uh, in college football right now, along with Wisconsin. Uh, so he, he gets to see how fast these dudes are in person every day. And I'm going to tell you, be a one guy who I'm – so excited, and hopefully he get an opportunity to play this week is Dominique Blaylock. That yeah. kid has been through so much, and this is a game that I just hope he gets back out there, get his feet wet, and just to get the feeling of playing again in front of a crowd. So I, uh, and I'm, I'm super excited. Hopefully he gets the opportunity to go out there and play this week. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Let me squeeze in one more thing before I let you go. We talked about the young guys getting a chance to play. The other side of that spectrum – are obviously the seniors who are going to play their final game. Some decisions still not made on that. Other guys, we know it'll be their final time. How emotional was it for you when you went on that field for the last day back in 2002? And how much will you have these seniors on your mind on Saturday, those who obviously will have their own feelings about a Georgia career? It always seems like these careers come to an end so fast. Four years goes by so quickly. Uh, I know it had to be an emotional day for you those years ago, and I'm sure you'll have that same thing on your mind when you think about these Georgia players coming up on Saturday. 
I think it, it, it doesn't hit you until the game is over. I mean, you have your parents and your loved ones there before the game, and it's a special moment for the brotherhood that you have built for four to five years. I can remember George Foster, Tony Gilbert, Boss Bailey, we all came in together, and then we walked off that field together. It's a special feeling then, but after the game, knowing, man, this is your last time playing between the hedges, and I'm getting chills now just thinking about yeah. it. You know, this is the last time playing in this stadium, and it's, it's an emotion, and I'm glad we got opportunity to play Georgia Tech the last game and beat them like 50-something and three in that game, and that had to be my last game. That's a great memory to have in that stadium. I love that, Terrence. That's great to think about. Hey, remind folks how they can get in touch with Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. You're doing big things, helping that next generation. Some guys will one day have their own senior day. You're working with them right now, and if folks want their sons to be a part of that, how can they do so? You can find me on all social media, at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. And since it is the offseason for me and a lot of teams, a lot of schools, uh, we will be starting up the bubble work. Bubble work. You can see me on Twitter say the bubble work. It will start the week of the third week in January, like January 18th. We will go Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 to 7.30. Bubble season is here. I'm happy to, I'm happy to know that, Terrence. I know that's when the real grind begins for a lot of those guys. Most definitely. Hey, Terrence, thanks for being here. We appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, good stuff there from Terrence Edwards. By the way, speaking of, Terrence was referencing the uh, GHSA playoffs, which do roll on. We got a big one coming up for you on Friday night on Peachtree TV. How about Warner Robins going up to Cartersville? I love it when we get these cross-sections of Georgia battling with each other. Obviously, Warner Robins representing middle Georgia, going up there to the extreme north part of Georgia. Cartersville's a historic program. Everybody knows you know the big names that have kind of come through there. And on the flip side of that, Warner Robins pound for pound, I'd say you could put them right up there with any team in the state thus far this year. This is going to be an incredible matchup. Friday night, Petrie TV, round two of the GHSA State Playoffs. Cannot get any better. Warner Robbins and Cartersville. I'm happy to be on the call there for play-by-play. Our buddy Rusty Manziel will be in the booth with me. Jeff Sintel uh, on the broadcast. Uh, the entire crew there. Kaylee Manziel, Ashley Rose, the entire team from Petrie TV. We'll bring that to you on Friday night. Great, great atmosphere up in Cartersville as Cartersville hosts Warner Robbins. Check that out. Peachtree TV on Friday night. Cannot wait for all of that. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Let me also say this really quick. How cool is, you heard Terrence Edwards say this a moment ago, that before he came on and spoke to us on the telephone here, he was also chatting live in the comment section there too. You talk about a luxury. If you're watching, I believe it's on Facebook that he was chatting. If you're watching on Facebook, you get a chance to, to watch the show here, but also chat with a former UGA great as the show is ongoing. Terrence always so generous with his time and shares his thoughts and does such a great job. We are so lucky to have that around Dog Nation. And uh, I love having him on air, but the fact that he pops in there in the comment section and interacts with so many UGA fans, uh, I, I just love all of that. All right, so uh, let me also say this. Cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. We are very, very close to telling you something really, really fun about Royal Caribbean. I cannot wait to do it. I cannot do it right now, though, but I'm going to do this very soon. Um, I'm not sure if I'm even supposed to let you know this, but we are very, very close to telling you about something unbelievable coming up with Royal Caribbean in the days to come. And obviously, a lot of you have heard me saying this now for a while, whether it be the uh, great ships in the fleet like Odyssey of the Seas, which is sailing right now, going out to Fort Lauderdale and uh, going to ports of call such as Perfect Day, Coco Cay, the private island right there in the Bahamas. 
So many fun things happening with Royal Caribbean as their ships are back and they're all over the Caribbean, all over great destinations, all across the world, really. But if you're going out of, like, say, Port Canaveral, you know, you can be at Perfect Day Coco Cay. You can take advantage of that. You can go on down to Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, yeah, by the way, look at there. That's a Perfect Day Coco Cay that you're looking at right there. How much fun is that? And, of course, Odyssey of the Seas. If you're watching on video, you see that. An unbelievable addition to the fleet there for Royal Caribbean. There's just some big, fun stuff happening. We're going to be telling you a lot more about it in the time to come. So if you've thought, hey, now's the time for me to take a cruise vacation, I believe you're right. And where we want you to go to find out more about this, our friends, the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Simply find them online. It's tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. And it's uh, two dog uh, people, you know, UGA alumni that run the Cruise and Vacation Authority, but they also know as much about Royal Caribbean as anybody can. They will make your experience great. So make sure you check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority to book your Royal Caribbean cruise. All right, we've got a lot to do. It's Mike Morgan from the SEC Network coming up here in a couple of minutes' time. I also want to say this, that a good bit of my life is spent seeing what college football fans are hysterical about on the Internet and then trying to trace it back to the source, like patient zero for the rumor or the or the whatever. And oftentimes when you finally get back to the beginning of all this, you're kind of left to say, wait, is, is this it? Is, is this all there is? We talked a little bit yesterday about some of the chatter around Lincoln Riley potentially leaving Oklahoma to go to LSU. And I'm not saying that couldn't happen. I think the LSU is a better job than Oklahoma is. So obviously, just on an apples-to-apples comparison, a guy like Riley might consider leaving. But this got to be so big this week that Riley was even asked about it. Hey, are you considering the LSU job? And Riley, we played the audio for you yesterday on SEC Country Live. If you check out SEC Country on Facebook or SEC Country Live on YouTube, you can find that for yourself. But when you start trying to like scroll back through the timelines and you have to go through like the internet hysteria to kind of figure out where does the whole like Riley to LSU thing even start. Like the best I can tell, the genesis for this, unless some of y'all know something I don't know, patient zero for the Riley to LSU thing is actually Tom Luganville, the ESPN analyst who goes like on a radio interview or whatever. One of the Barstool accounts, I think, captured the quote from Luganville. Do we have these? Can we show this? The uh, uh, Luganville initial quote here. That I guess is the start of all this. When you have ESPN next to your name, your words sometimes carry a little bit of extra weight. Luganville saying that uh, there's something going on at Oklahoma right now, and I would not be surprised one bit the next LSU coach is Lincoln Riley. Now, that's said in a very forceful way. That has the weight of being a report, not just a, hey, I'm spitballing ideas here, but an actual honest-to-goodness report. But in this particular case, uh, maybe that's not quite what this is. Luganville was later challenged by some Oklahoma fans on this and when it comes to inside information he says I never claimed to have any it was my just my own gut would make sense for both parties in my mind so Luganville's out there just spitting out his gut hey he's, he's fantasy booking over here you know got Lincoln Riley going to uh LSU as I said before I mean there was the the flight tracker thing where the plane left Norman and went to Baton Rouge and who knows what that really is and it's at least substantial enough that Riley was asked about it. But beyond that, there seems to be a little bit of a light dusting of fake news around this. But uh, nonetheless, that's that. There's other coaching stuff out there right now, though, as well. Uh, Nevin Shapiro, uh, obviously <laughs> very odd uh, booster connected to the Miami program, has talked about Lane Kiffin potentially leaving Ole Miss to go to Miami. I think the Kiffin stuff's going to heat up pretty good here in the uh, days to come. I think that's going to be very much worth paying attention to. 
Um, Shane Beamer has been asked about the South Carolina job. Obviously, his dad was the legendary coach at Virginia Tech. I said this yesterday on SEC Country Live. I do take it pretty seriously right now that 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 Beamer probably he's probably going to stay at, at South Carolina. I'd be surprised if he left. I know that Virginia Tech is seemingly home, but he's also talked a lot about how South Carolina feels home. And I know coaches say a lot of things, but I would kind of expect that to kind of be the case on all of this. Um, there's Jimbo Fisher who goes out there, and he, of all the coaches that have talked about anything, whether it be James Franklin for the jobs he's been in line for, or or uh, uh, you know Lincoln Riley, the, the, the his answer when asked about the LSU job. The guy who's given the most emphatic answer of all was probably Jimbo Fisher. Shane Beamer was pretty close to what he said about Virginia Tech this week, but Jimbo Fisher gave the most emphatic answer of all of he'd be the dumbest coach ever to go coach against the guys that he's recruiting there at Texas A&M, and I do take that seriously. Not so much because Jimbo Fisher would never do that, but because I don't think you'd have that recruiting momentum for, uh, for A&M if those recruits truly thought that he wasn't going to be able to, um, you know, wasn't going to be sticking around. I, I don't, I just don't quite think that's the way that would work out. So from that standpoint, um, I do kind of take Jimbo Fisher pretty seriously on that. And as I said before, maybe I'll end up being laughed at and proven wrong on this, but I kind of take Shane Beamer pretty seriously on that too. So a lot of coaching chatter out there. We'll see what happens to Lane Kiffin. Does he become more of a serious candidate for the for the LSU job? Does he become as you know Nevin Shapiro suggesting a candidate for the Miami job? I don't know, but I think the one thing that you would determine is this. Like right now, it seems like some of the recruiting chatter related to Arch Manning class of 2023 is seems that he's trending away from Ole Miss a little bit. You know, maybe not as much of a home, I don't want to say hometown pool, but the emotional pool of knowing that his you know uncle Eli was at Ole Miss, obviously his grandfather, Archie Manning, the great Ole Miss player, that somehow that that's not quite, you know, really pushing Arch Manning to Ole Miss as much as, as, you know, some people maybe thought it might, or maybe some people, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you hoped it, it would. That's not really happening right now. So if you're Kiffin and you've got the stature to take a bigger job, I think you're left to conclude that there's only so much that Ole Miss is ever going to be able to do, just given the fact that if, if they can't win with Arch Manning in the future, if you don't have Hugh Freeze and his antics going on around the program, then what big recruits can you really win with? That might be one of those things where Lane Kiffin's forced to make that determination there on that. Uh, but that's the coaching rumors that are out there and for now we'll make that your SEC through and we are as we sometimes say in the business efforting to get Mike Morgan on the phone here Uh, I think we should have him coming up in just a couple of minutes time if we are waiting on Mike what we might do is go ahead and move on with the rest of the program here because I do want to give you the picks for the uh, upcoming week Uh, no Mike Morgan right now oh we do have Mike Morgan Mike's ready to go so let's uh, we'll give you picks for the upcoming week's worth of games here coming up just a little bit for now though here in the uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp want to get ready to say hello to Mike Morgan going to call the game on Saturday on the SEC Network Mike's also a guy that's got a a lot of hours logged watching SEC football, so he's a good voice to talk to in a day like this. Mike, appreciate you being with us. I know it's a busy week for you as you get ready to call this game on Saturday. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us here today. Uh, absolutely, Brandon. And uh, yeah, a lot of hours logged. I guess that means I'm kind of old. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm north of forty, but I'm south of fifty. Uh, so I've I've been covering SEC since I was. Uh, about 17 years old. Yeah. I've been a fan since I was 10, so I'm not quite that old. But yeah, you're right. I've been uh, uh, unlike a lot of uh, folks out there who uh, you know go to various schools from the Northeast, get into broadcasting, and wind up down south. I- I'm like you. I- my uh, 
I've been woven in the fabric of SEC football from a very early age. So I, I, I take a lot of pride in that. I know you do as well. Yeah, no doubt about that all the way around. So Georgia number one, you get a chance to see them on TV on Saturday. And, you know, what are your expectations right now? We kind of joked about this off the top of the program that if you watch the ESPN show on Tuesday where they were, you know, ranked number one again, it's almost like Pollock and Galloway and the guys there. At this point in time, are just kind of rendered speechless. Like everything that can be said about Georgia has been said about UGA for the most part. And they just kind of very methodically have kind of marched their way through the season. You know, what are your expectations getting a chance to see them on person on Saturday? Well, I think to your point on it's almost become, dare I say, a stale storyline. And that's a good thing if you're Georgia. That means everything is going well. Uh, and, and there's nothing controversial. There's nothing where you sense a, a chink in the armor or a spot of vulnerability. I think there are a lot of people, to be honest with you, that were clamoring for this quarterback controversy, that were waiting for Stetson Bennett uh, to, to really look shaky and then start the whole JT Daniels conversation. And how can you start a former walk-on that looks like an accountant over this blue-chip guy that's supposed to be an NFL quarterback? I think even that storyline just got stale. Mm-hmm. Because you, when you watch Stetson Bennett play, he does everything that they want him to do and does it well. So, I, you know, I'm in Atlanta. I know there's some Georgia fans that are just waiting for him to have a hiccup. And the moment that they that he does, they're going to come right out and say, I, I told you we should have started Daniels. I told you we start, should have started Daniels. But... I'm just not there. I think Stetson Bennett has earned every right. I think what's so underrated about Stetson Bennett, and and even the national pundits when they talk Georgia, I don't think they get this as much. I know Pollock knows it. But people don't realize Bennett is a really good runner. Like He he is an absolute threat running the football. He's got the highest average per carry of any Georgia runner this season. And they just look at him and they can't get past the fact that in their eyes – he doesn't look athletic, but the fact of the matter, he is. So when you when you get that part of the equation out of your system, that Stetson Bennett is good, okay? He's not Heisman Trophy good, but he's good. And then everything else around him is good on offense, and it's a record-setting defense. It, it does become a stale story, but in a good way if you're a Georgia fan, because I believe, and I thought this back in July and August, this is the best team that Kirby has. This is the team that has the best chance of finally overcoming that national championship drought and they just continue to continue to go business as usual so you touched on something a moment ago that i think is really important and i've noticed this as well if i heard what you said correctly which is that it seems like folks kind of what i call outside the bubble of dog nation you know those who are not georgia fans or you know you know people who are deeply entrenched with uga it seems like they were quicker to embrace bennett than maybe some of the fans who would consider themselves the closest to the program kind of were you know other broadcasters guys who call georgia games on tv or the analysts such as david pollack that they kind of wrapped their arms around bennett pretty quickly and were pretty fast to say hey you know this is a guy who's really getting it done for uga not a slide at jt daniels not a criticism of daniels not even a statement that daniels wouldn't be capable of doing that but just given the fact that he was away with injury i think a lot of the media folks you know kind of outside the the, the uga bubble were pretty quick to embrace Stetson Bennett and some of the Georgia fans, maybe you know, you know, other folks kind of within the, this sphere, were a little slower to do that. Why do you think that is, Mike? Well, again, I just think it goes to the fact that Stetson Bennett is likely never going to play a down in the NFL, and they look at Georgia, and you've, you've got NFL prospects at almost every position. I mean, that's just where the program is now under Kirby Smart, 
And JT Daniels fits that NFL quarterback mold. He's big, he's strong, he's got an NFL arm. And so he has what in our mind, what we are taught, uh, what a next-level quarterback should look like and and should have a certain skill set. And and some people just can't get past the fact that Stetson Bennett is not going to be big. He's always going to be below six feet tall. He's not going to have a cannon of an arm like a lot of the four- or five-star kids coming out of high school have, and quite frankly, like a lot of the kids that Georgia signs and has on the bench. And so they just can't move past it. It's like the guys today, and I see this all the time, and it drives me batty. There's been this movement, right, this like underground movement that says you've got to be a running quarterback in 2021 to be great. And then you watch Tom Brady win Super Bowls and Mac Jones win a national championship and Mac Jones continue to dominate the NFL. Like You don't have to run all over the place to be a great quarterback. There's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. And, and Stetson Bennett is proof of that. Because while he does run, he's not big, and he doesn't have a cannon of an arm. But the, the bottom line about that position is it's about reading and it's about throwing. And if you read defenses properly and if you can throw the ball accurately, that's going to overcome not being 6'3", and it's going to overcome not running a 4'4", Kirby Smart realizes that. Most successful coaches realize that. But some of your average fans and media members refuse to recognize that. No, I think that's really fair. Let me finish with this, if you don't mind. Is there anything left that you want to see for Georgia? Now, we talked about this before, that you're a big, you know, you're very entrenched in the SEC football. You're obviously going to do this game, call this game, but you also, I'm sure, have some curiosity about how Georgia would compare to an Alabama in the SEC championship or how it maybe right. you know, compares to the other teams competing for the college football playoff. As someone who's just kind of a fan of the game and is curious how the postseason is going to play out, are there questions about Georgia that you do hope to see answered by getting a chance to see them in person on Saturday? Yeah, and let me let me make this uh, known to, to to Dog Nation for those that'll be watching our broadcast. We're certainly going to start delving into big picture stuff second half. I mean, Charleston Southern knows what this game is. Their head coach Audrey Denson, who we spoke to this morning, knows what this game is. Like so many other FCS programs, they need it financially. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna play their tails off, and it's a, a, a dream of a lifetime to play at Sanford Stadium. Uh, but we know how this game could certainly turn out. And if it does so, that gives us more opportunity to talk about the stuff that you're talking about, which is where does Georgia size up? Like, why, why is this the year, assuming we're on a collision course to see Georgia Alabama again, you know, kind of like Rocky Four, this time it's for real? Uh, do, do you knock out Drago this time? Uh, and, and do you not give up a double digit lead at halftime, which Georgia's done, I believe, the last three meetings? between those two. What's different? What's concerning to me about Georgia? Well, I, I, I wonder if you, if you want to pick a weakness, and we're really nitpicking now because yeah. the team is loaded, but if you want to pick a weakness, I, I'm curious against a, a good passing offense, whether it's Alabama in the SEC championship game or whether it's Ohio State perhaps in a playoff, how does that secondary hold up? You know, because they've been tested somewhat, but maybe not to the level of what they're going to be tested against those two teams should those teams meet uh, in those particular venues. So I, I think you keep an eye on that. There's no question the front seven is ridiculously talented. There's no question the offense right now is a, a well-oiled machine. I, I think if you had to just pick one thing, that would it be. How does Georgia's secondary go up uh, or hold up against an elite passing attack? 
No, I think that's a very fair question. I think that's also the kind of thing a lot of UGA fans are looking forward to seeing answered here at some point in time there as well. Mike, we really appreciate your time. As you said before, we like having guys that like SEC football calling UGA games. Obviously, it just makes the broadcast more enjoyable. SEC uh, Network Plus, ESPN Plus coming up on Saturday for the call with Georgia and Charleston Southern. Thanks for stopping by and seeing us here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to obviously getting a chance to catch up with you again very soon as well. Always enjoy it, Brandon. Appreciate the time. Good stuff there from Mike Morgan, and we're looking forward to having him on the call on Saturday. We're always happy we can kind of bring in some of those guys who are calling these games on TV because they do uh, have a chance to get a pretty good seat for how things are unfolding with Georgia, and it's also nice to get that extra outside perspective about how things are playing out with uh, UGA. So uh, good stuff, Mike Morgan from the SEC Network. Now, let's roll through here and give you a few of our thoughts on the upcoming games, the upcoming weekend. These are our bet U.S. best bets, and of course, bet us got a great offer for you that we'll tell you about coming up your chance to make some money but let's see if we can also make you some money with these picks over 500 on the year i am and trying to stay hot on that here several games over 500 really and we'll see if we can stay hot with that here this week the georgia charleston southern line is not easy to find to be completely honest with you we're going to go with 54 and a half but this line's not really commonly available so you may have to shop around to even find it there is no over under all the way around i uh, told you before charleston southern 158th and the sagarin ratings has 258 teams so this is you know kind of a middle of the pack type uh, fcs team coming into georgia on saturday and the spread's about what you think it would be under those circumstances uh arkansas goes to alabama the two games that i think are very similar this week and i said this about georgia last week uh with the similar point spread at tennessee compare alabama hosting arkansas to ohio state hosting michigan state about both these games about three touchdown numbers are either alabama or ohio state good enough to really validate themselves as, as true playoff contenders if they are they handle business in a game like this and frankly even though michigan state's ranking is higher than arkansas i'm not quite so sure there's a great deal of difference between arkansas and michigan state here at this point arkansas against a tougher schedules taking more losses but i think michigan state and arkansas are actually fairly at least from a quality standpoint fairly similar teams i'm gonna take both bama and the buckeyes to cover i don't feel great about either game uh right now florida's going on the road at missouri eight and a half point favorite you know listen right now florida's just not good enough to be favored this many points against anybody on the road missouri's not good either but they haven't played badly as of late including getting an outright win at home against south Carolina a week ago so plus the points i think that's obviously the way to go i do think though if you could do a potential i'm gonna get in over my skis in this here a little bit but look at florida as eight and a half point favorite look at auburn as a seven and a half point favorite what if you tease both those games below a field goal and you got florida and auburn you feel better about that game on a on a teaser with florida and auburn i think you might as it stands right now missouri's the play i think south carolina is actually the play plus the points although i think auburn wins the game outright but as i said before if you really want to get serious at bet us or somewhere like that you know, take a look at florida and auburn as a little bit of a teaser situation there get that thing below a field goal maybe uh, old miss is not covering 36 and a half against vanderbilt so that's just too many points uh, vanderbilt's actually covered two straight and three of its last four so they played better against the spread than you might think 36 and a half just a ton of points uh, i think that oregon goes on the road i think it beats utah utah is favored there in that game they're also ranked by the college ball playoff selection committee but um i'm gonna trust the ducks there in that spot i also think they'll get every single close call if one comes their way and then this is not a top 25 matchup but it is an interesting game wake going to clemson 
Clemson's the four and a half point favorite here. I'm always interested in unranked teams favored against uh, against ranked opponents. I take that pretty seriously. I just think that Clemson's also better, more seasoned in big games. I'll take the Tigers here minus the four and a half against a Wake Forest team that's fun to watch, but ultimately maybe due for a bit of a letdown. Those are a bet US best bets, and you can get your own action and use your own expertise to make some money here this upcoming weekend. But when you do so, make sure you sign up for that account at Bet US to do that because you got a big, big incentive when you do. You're gonna get 125% sign up bonus. And you gotta use the promo code DN125 to take advantage of that. The DN stands for Dog Nation. DN125. Uh and you get the 125% initial sign-up bonus. That means you put $100 in, they're going to put in more money than that than you do. $125, they'll put in on top of your $100. It's 125% sign-up bonus. In simple language, they are going to put more money in your account when you sign up than you are. But to get this great offer, you've got to use the promo code DN125. So betus.com, promo code DN125, and you can take advantage of that today. Let me also remind you that coming up later on this afternoon, on the Dog Nation video channels, we're going to have another Chase for the Championship show where you look at Georgia being ranked number one, and our buddy John Stinchcomb is a part of that. Obviously, John's also with us each and every week for our Classic City Lager Insider Update. And speaking of Classic City Lager, what a great pairing this is for you as you head towards a weekend of sports and good time, getting ready for the holidays, and when family and friends are getting together this time of year, obviously Classic City Lager is a great thing to bring with you for all of that. It's just good cold beer. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things classic city lager is just good cold beer very very simple it's a lager style beer lighter in color but no sacrifice in flavor uh it's great and it's easy to find too you're doing a bunch of shopping right now getting stocked up for thanksgiving and everything like that well classic city lager is right there for you wherever you're doing your shopping uh you can find it today uh classic city lager six and 12 pack cans all year long it's available from our friends at creature comforts brewing company make sure you check that out now if that's not enough let me give you one more thing here there as well also, if you go to dognation.com right now, up at the very top of the page, you see the link for the Dog Nation tailgate. I talked about Chase for the Championship a moment ago. Uh, those tickets are on sale. Big event at the Home Depot backyard next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium on SEC Championship Saturday from noon to 3. All you can drink, all you can eat. We're going to have fun entertainment. We're going to have a special Dog Nation Chase for the Championship t-shirt. Uh, tickets are going quick, but they are online, dognation.com. You can be a part of that with us. Can't wait for the Chase for the Championship. Is that enough? I think it probably is. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Let's also do a fun golden shoe here today. Uh, obviously, we've had some great submissions as of late. One of the things we talked about yesterday was the very fiery speech from Kirby Smart, the expletive-filled speech that we've kind of had some fun with. Well, uh, one of our uh, great listeners and viewers also had some fun with that there as well, including making a little bit of a golden shoe submission around that after Kirby went out there and beat up on those uh, lousy, stinking gators. Our buddy John Paul Wilson says, he says, I'm having trouble keeping those alligators down. He gives you kind of the Ric Flair woo. Flair was obviously once famous for his alligator shoes. He says, the, curb, the shoes that Kirby Smart strolls into the office wearing, you see true golden shoes, the gator skin, the big gator head on top. Yeah, if anything, that's what Kirby Smart probably earns for himself after a game like that. Great job by John Paul Williams. Make him the golden shoe winner for today. Also, speaking of the lousy, stinking gators, two, 345 days from now, dogs go back to Jacksonville, get another win against Florida. In fact, Kirby, tell them what we're going to do to them. You make them never want to play again. You just laugh and point the scoreboard. Physically, have a good day everybody and on the podcast time now the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take a couple of your quick comments here 
on everything going on around Dog Nation. Let you bounce out of here after that. We'll keep it quick today because we had kind of a long show. Hope you enjoyed Mike Morgan. Hope you enjoyed uh, Terrence Edwards. Uh, Columbus Dog checks into the comment section to say just win, baby. So he's happy about the uh, feeling around George right now and uh, certainly enjoying the fact that Kirby Smart seems to be craving those win so much smarts the man also weighs in to say that kirby got his wish about the whole idea of breaking florida wanting to break florida uh the florida right now appears to be broken (laughs) i hadn't really thought about it in those terms but uh that does seem to be about true right now that you know florida losing to south carolina after that struggling with samford that if you had any doubt whatsoever about what's going on with um (laughs) with the gators i would say they pretty much are just about broken right now also, uh, Drew Quillian on Twitter reached out to me. You know the old statue or like the plaque at Florida of the Tim Tebow speech after they lost a whole Miss? Uh, Drew's got an interesting idea to do something like that for Georgia <laughs> with the Kirby Smart uh, thing. I think that's actually really funny. Uh, that's, that's, that's really pretty funny. Good stuff. Uh, Regina Roberts, Russell Jafaris keeping the JD to NYC thing up and running. You love to see that um i got a chance to meet t-rock tim burke up there in knoxville last week he reached out i'm glad to be able to do that donnie penton also with a very funny golden shoe submission so uh some good stuff all the way around our buddy cody ledoux bama fan from our youtube comment section also kind of going back and forth with some of the the will anderson jordan davis stuff so always great comments and always a lot of fun we appreciate you doing that we'll have more of those tomorrow as we close out our week here as part of our podcast cool down presented by rs andrews appreciate your feedback i also saw where david one said that he wasn't too happy with the kirby smart language and the in the video that's played there i mean listen i've told you before that you know uh that's not the language that i use on a regular basis but i'm also not regularly in an sec locker room and i'm not going to i'm not going to you know make any kind of judgments about what i would do in that particular situation given the fact that you've got the intensity of the moment and you've got the charge of leading those men there i'm going to have a sense of humor about this and i'm not going to make too big of a deal about that but uh but David pointing out that not everybody loved that, and I, I guess that voice is going to be out there a little bit too. I would say the overwhelming majority of UGA fans, though, have had a great sense of humor about it, and they like to fire their coach shows. I would, I would think that's the overwhelming majority of Georgia fans there on that point. Either way, we appreciate you being here for our podcast, Cool Down. Make sure you find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. They'll take care of you for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. We'll also see you back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.